Hello and welcome to the Mindfuckery podcast. This is episode seven of the second season and I've got no notes today. I've got three things written down. Some weird things have happened over the weekend. Not weird, amazing things have happened over the weekend. I uploaded my YouTube video on Saturday and it got shared by Professor Sam Vaknin. I also uploaded a TikTok video, but it's a few years old. It is the scapegoated child in the emotionally abusive mother. And I hacked it down to a shorter version then I can't remember, I think it's eight minutes on YouTube. And I just checked and there's 22,200 views plus, I think it is, in about four or five days. So for me, it's a bit weird because I'm not about numbers or figures. Perhaps I should be. That helps getting the message out. To me, it's about quality, not quantity. Anyway, I'm going to talk about these two subjects. How do you heal after the narcissist has totally destroyed your life? It is a thing that's going on at the moment. I think I've said in the last couple of podcasts that I was doing some research and a lot of people are asking these sort of questions. The scapegoated child and emotionally abusive mother, as I put out quite a few years ago, it does get a lot of views on YouTube. I'm going to talk about the interconnectedness of these two subjects, how they totally destroy your life. And I might sprinkle in towards the end a subject that I have been wanting to talk about for a very long time, which is what happens when the narcissist dies. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of emotional abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. So two subjects, completely different, but they're not. The video on how to heal after the narcissist totally destroyed your life as I said, was shared by Professor Sam Fackin. And I then took, or no, I prior to that, I'd taken a video, YouTube video, and hacked it down. And that was a scapegoated child in the emotionally abusive mother. And I say in that, look, I use mother and daughter, but equally it could be father-son, it could be mother-son or father-daughter. You know, that that is interchangeable, but for the purpose of that video, it was. And so many people message or, you know, put a comment saying, hands up, that was me, I was that child. So the interconnectedness of these two subjects is the emotionally abusive person. They're the connection, aren't they? They are damaged. That is why they do what they do. They experience their own trauma. They missed crucial developmental stages in their childhood. So they aren't able to connect emotionally. They have no understanding of empathy. They have no understanding of people, emotional intelligence, and their whole life is built, uh, this facade is built on protecting their fragile self at any cost, including, let's take the um, scapegoat to start with, including their own children. It's my personal belief that if you're listening to this and you've been in uh, an emotionally abusive relationship and you're trying to recover from that, then you possibly experienced something very similar. 
you might not have been the scapegoat, you might have been the golden child, you might have been the invisible child, or maybe another role within that family unit. And it doesn't matter what unit you're in, the first seven to eight years of our life, we live in a theta state, which is a hypnotic state. It's something we do experience as adults. Every time we drift in and out of our sleep state, we do pass through a a theta state, but we actually live in that state. As I said, it's hypnotic, which means that every word, every comment, every sense that you have, everything you hear, you feel the emotions around you, the environment you grow up in. You feel that something isn't right, something isn't off. You're growing up believing that that is the truth. Children believe their parents can fix anything, that can do anything. They believe their parents are there and they are protecting their children. But what if that isn't the case? What if a child is brought up in an emotionally abusive environment, a physically abusive environment, a sexually abusive environment? That isn't safe, but a child in a hypnotic state is taught that that is their normal. I was out with family uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, and uh, there there was a group of us and a song came on and it was hop, little bunnies, hop, hop, hop. All the adults and the children started jumping around the kitchen with uh, very young children, two two two-year-olds or nearly two-year-olds, I think, at the time. Everyone was jumping around their kitchen and I was saying to them, when the children go to school, they're going to think that every child does that and that isn't the case. But the four children that were there wouldn't know that because they were all, apart from one who's eight, they were all be living in that theta state well they they will think that is normal behavior that everybody in the world jumps around when they hear that song the designated scapegoat and it can be interchangeable in some family units is used as a screen and it hides a parent's behavior it might be the mother it might be the father but that child is used to disguise the dysfunction within a family unit and this is how empaths are born because they learn, children learn from a really young age, how to detect a parent's mood, how to detect a change in their environment. And then they're taking this behavior into their adult relationships. So they're fawning, they're detecting a change in the atmosphere. It might be that their partner's mood changes and they quickly go into fawning and they are changing subjects around the dinner table or redirecting conversations because they know that the potential if not in the right mood that emotionally abusive explosive narcissistic high up on that narcissistic scale person could explode they know that they might be laughing at this joke now but when they get home wow that mood is going to change that mask is going to drop The only people that see, truly see who that emotionally abusive person is are those people in their tribe behind that closed door. And the scapegoated child sees the patterns. They might see them from a really young age. They notice the difference that they are treated to the way their siblings are treated. And they build up a resilience. They find different ways of coping. They might believe every single word that their parent says and their siblings say. And they take, this is what the scapegoat is. The scapegoat is one of two goats. It's referenced from the Bible. And it's one of two goats 
goats. One goat is sacrificed for the tribe and the other goat is given all the wrongdoings, all the bad things that have happened. They're laid upon that goat. That goat is then released into the wilderness to survive on its own. So the scapegoated child develops a thick skin. They are blamed for everything even the wrongdoings of their siblings. So as an adult, that's what they do. They take the blame. That's their default setting because it was programmed into them as a young child. So they're robbed of a childhood. They develop a thick skin, an armour to protect themselves. I'll link the YouTube video I did a couple of weeks ago in the description box because I speak about patterns and research done in 2014 about the patterns that the adult takes into, mainly women take into adulthood that have experienced childhood abuse. But what's stored inside are all of these negative, messages that that child has received and they might swing one of one of two ways they either are very competitive or they are really bad at goal setting the child receives significant emotional and psychological wounding the silver lining to this is she is or that child is usually the only person that sees the toxic patterns in the family and she's usually or they are usually the only person that is likely to seek help. The, the siblings bought the story. These stories were created when that child was really young. The stories are created about them. They're always causing trouble. They're always ruining it for everyone else. It's always you that does this. And in some units, the parent encourages the siblings to bait the child, to blame that scapegoated child. As I said, she's usually the only one that in that unit that is able to look for healing herself or himself. But this learnt behaviour is then taken into other relationships. It's normal for you to feel, if you're the scapegoated child, to take the blame. And because of the techniques that you've learnt of protecting yourself, and this is where it's all created. And we take these messages, we take these beliefs into our adult relationships. We take the blame for situations. It might be that a partner had an affair or treated you really badly. And you take the blame for it because they tell you if you treated them differently, they wouldn't have behaved in the way they did, shifting the blame onto you. You're used to that. That's a norm for you if you were the scapegoat because you took the blame for the faults of the family. So your default setting is, yeah, okay, I get that. And you might replay the relationship, wondering if only, maybe if you'd said something differently or done something differently, would you be in this place? And you get lost. And this is where the interconnective part is on the destruction that happens through the abusive or narcissistic abuse, that's where the destruction happens. Because if you're not careful, what the emotionally abusive or person who's high up on that narcissistic spectrum, what they haven't destroyed, you are likely to destroy yourself. Narcissistic abuse is a phrase that was coined by Sam Fagnin, which is really how my video got forwarded by him. He describes it as total abuse. And he says the aim is to kill you mentally and to deprive you of autonomy, to deprive you of independence, to take over your mind by inserting powerful thoughts. And you then think that they're your own. And the abuser then goes on to prevent you or at the same time is preventing you from having 
support networks, friends, family. They deny you a life. And he says, if you think about ordinary abuse, like physical abuse, he said it has nothing over narcissistic abuse. He said, think of abuse as conventional war, whereas narcissistic abuse is nuclear war. It's a total destruction. He says it's where nothing or no one will survive. The aim is to destroy your ability to function, to destroy your body and your mind. Your empathy gets destroyed. You can no longer feel emotions except, this is my interjection, except that pain because I remember that pain so vividly held in my body, curled up on the floor, doubled over in pain. So I was able to feel, but the pain was inside me. I wasn't able to empathise with anyone. I wasn't able to, in fact, I lost a lot of that for a very, very long time. So he says everything is damaged and he says there's no point in trying to rebuild your life. This is about a total reconstruction. And some of these lessons that are learned in childhood, and this is going through because there are other developmental stages that we go through not just that really young age at two there are older ones and we're learning and we are taking on the sins of our family and we are, we live in this unit where it's our fault we move into our relationships and it's likely that we ha- are surrounded by friendships we might have a boss we might end up in situations romantic relationships where we are in an abusive a narcissistic relationship, not knowing, taking the blame for everything that's happened. But they don't start like that. These relationships start with a lot of love love bombing. They start with this idealization, this trying to get and bond with you really quickly. They move very fast so that if you do spot the red flags, you override them with, they do so much, they're so nice, or they put their pity story out to you, they play the victim. And there's a part of you that wants to say, save them because this program that's running as an adult was that you weren't able to save the parent the narcissistic parent the emotionally abusive parent they played the victim you weren't able to save that and maybe there's a program running that because you weren't able to save the parent perhaps you can save this partner and you've got this program perhaps running in the background and this is another reason you stay perhaps too long not only is it a familiar relationship you've experienced these emotions before this is in your DNA but you've been taught to wait like the donkey with the carrot in front of it you're following that carrot waiting and waiting not quite getting there you've done that with the parent for acceptance you've seen your siblings if you you have them be accepted and you're waiting for your turn and again this is a reason one reason you might have stayed in a relationship because you've been taught to wait that's what happened in your childhood you waited for that to happen and this is why you stay perhaps stay I'm gonna always say perhaps because I don't know your story yours might be slightly different some people aren't ready to take responsibility and that is a big thing of mine is taking responsibility for the role that I played in that relationship because I didn't realise the patterns that I was experiencing. So this total devastation, this destruction that happened at the end of this abusive relationship 
to me is a blessing and I've said this a few times you know you might go to to hit stop maybe you're not ready to hear that I remember listening to a few I think there were YouTube videos at the time and I was like I'm not codependent I'm not you know and then over a period of time as I started to break down the layers I suddenly realized oh my gosh I need to go and listen to that again because I've just realized maybe I was and I, I you know I'm ready now to take responsibility for that label of codependency so that's what's happened you're totally destroyed absolutely totally destroyed by what's happened there is not an element perhaps there is and this is where the caterpillar plays a role in this and the butterfly but before I get there let me just quickly wrap this section up so you've been completely destroyed or that was the intention but they've moved on it might be they got distracted they got a better offer so they've moved on before total annihilation but you are going to do that yourself if you're really really not careful it's highly likely they set up a smear campaign before they left think of a stage and you've got the bit the audience see and then behind the scenes behind the scenes is a different story your life was completely different to the role that you played out on stage people didn't see the affairs going on they didn't see the trauma that was going on they didn't see the financial coercion they didn't see the coercive controls that took place they didn't see you in total despair questioning and wondering what they were up to what they were doing now what the next thing that revelation was going to be saw none of that you walked out on stage immaculately prepared for the next scene and you played your part so in order for this to go forward the person high up on the narcissistic spectrum or the emotional abuser whatever label you want to give them sociopath psychopath whatever label you want to use if it helps you they have to have a reason for walking away from this relationship that looks really good to the outside world how can they one minute be sharing your life to people telling them how wonderful you are and how good you are together and then in the next moment be walking away people are going to ask questions so they have to create this smear campaign in order to justify the next actions they're ready to move on they have got their new supply insights their new target insight and their sniper weapon is aimed and ready but they can't move on because the likelihood is you are going to understand who they are reveal who they are they create this scenario this is my understanding of it my experience of it create a scenario so when you do discover when you finally realize because you're again in this holding pattern that they've trained you and they've infiltrated every area of your life they've taken over power and control each time they've taken you around this cycle trapping you and bonding you they always came back your body and your mind your subconscious mind is waiting and prepared for the next scene there was no conclusion there's no end to this drama there's no end to this theater production to this film it's like somebody's run out of money and the producers have said do you know what let's cut here final we won't we're not just not going to do anything more with this and it all ends up on the cutting room floor but to get to that point they have to create a reason to get out of that relationship so you're stood there in the wings waiting to go back on stage and they don't come back they don't come back and play that role and then you start to so you sat there wondering what's going on you've got a lot of time on your hands you your life was consumed 
friends by running around after them. And all of a sudden, they've gone from your life. There's this huge void. It's a physical void as well as that emotional and mental and spiritual void because they've separated you from everyone. So you turn around and nobody's there. And you have time. You look. What was it? You might discover a few phrases and think, wow, that was actually describing my relationship. And you then want to tell everybody, I've discovered who they are. But nobody wants to listen because they've heard the stories and you start to turn a little bit crazy. My experience, that's what happened to me. And you are then about to destroy yourself. However, what happens with the phoenix, I'm going to talk about the caterpillar in in a minute. What happens with the phoenix? The phoenix burns down and then rises from the ashes. And this, to me, is this perfect gift that they have given you because they've literally stripped you back. They've taken you back and they've left you in an infantile state. They've left you as a child running your life. I've described in the A to Z how I went back and I was healing a lot of three-year-olds, five-year-olds and eight-year-olds as part of my journey. But as part of that healing, what I was able to do was reparent. So where the parenting that I received might have been slightly off or not as good as it could have been or what I needed because I was a different person to my siblings, I was able to give myself that and reparent and create an environment a healing environment for myself that was perfect for me and my needs. And that is the crucial bit of this journey. This is the crucial part of the healing. I have got another really popular video on YouTube, which is um, something like seven ways to get the narcissist back in your life or something like that. But actually, there's seven ways to heal or to put stepping stones in place for recovery and what you're doing as you're putting these things in place or creating mystery around yourself. You're actually creating boundaries and you're creating distance so you can actually heal. And at the end of it, although I get a lot, I had not so many recently, but I used to get a lot of comments saying, how could you say this? How could you record this video? But actually, if you listen to it and you go through it, I do say at the end, um, hopefully by this point, you'll realise that you're actually healing. But this scenario, you'll want to tell everybody what's going on. This total destruction, this obliteration of your life. You haven't got enough foundations to rebuild. If you think that maybe if a building fell down or a wall falls down, maybe an old stone wall, you're able to pick the stones up and put them back in place where they were or, you know, you might have to jiggle them around. This is complete. This is dust. And how do you pick up dust and start putting it together? You can't. This is the perfect base to build firm foundations this time and on those firm foundations you can then rebuild and start to reclaim maybe reclaim is the wrong word but build a life build the life you were born to live I say I used to say this a lot in my other business revive your soul you were born through the soul plan readings that I do it's about understanding and understanding the challenges that you you were here to face but not only those challenges but also the tools and the talents that you've been given to overcome the adversity in your life and live the life you're born to live. And this is what this is about because part of that hypnotic state, that theta state that you live in, you're taking on the beliefs of the people around you. I used to talk a lot about some of the people that I'd worked with that weren't living that life. I knew people that were wanted to be train drivers that became bank managers. I met a, a wife at, at an event and she was telling me that her husband, we actually were at a steam railway and I was working there 
and she was telling me about it was her husband's hobby he used to go and volunteer and he always wanted to be a, a train driver but he became I think it was a bank manager to please his mother there was um, somebody else that I know who want, always wanted to be an archaeologist but became a doctor to please his mother oh, I used to have loads of them accountants um, that came from a long line of accountancy solicitors that did the same everybody went into that profession because it was expected of them so their creativity was literally strangled out of them you have been given this opportunity that it's you've literally got dust at your feet and you can now look around for the foundations that are yours to build upon and create that life when i speak about the caterpillar and the butterfly when the caterpillar knows it's time to transform its skin breaks it has this shell that's been growing underneath it and it the skin peels apart i think that's how it happens it separates anyway and this shell is in place and it expands what's happening inside as the uh, chrysalis is formed it, it, it attaches itself to wherever it's going to transform and this outer shell of protection is there inside literally everything is breaking down and they say if you cut it open at this stage this goo would just seep out and this is the gloop stage however as that transformation takes place inside this chrysalis when it's ready the butterfly expands and grows it grows bigger and out of that protective shell that protective shell has helped it and preserved it for a period of time it then rests while it's because it was wet inside there so it now needs to dry out and what researchers did and I don't know how they did it was they took some caterpillars and they trained them to do certain things so whether it was it must have been something to do with food but they trained them in a certain way and when the butterflies transformed what they realized was that the DNA was still in place they still held that crucial information so if you can see yourself as you're either in this chrysalis you're maybe you're getting ready to expand and break out of your shell maybe you've broken out and you don't know what's next know that your dna is still intact but you're at a point where you can heal the wounds you can transform the wounds you can remove them and this is why i'm developing wound talking because there were things that happened in childhood that those and those wounds can talk to you now and tell you they can talk to you and explain what was going on and the emotions are trapped that are trapped within the body they can explain that now as an adult they couldn't talk to you as a child because you didn't understand and understand those words and those emotions you were too young but now you can hear and this is where and why it's so powerful to be able to communicate with them please if you're really interested in finding out more about that work please reach out to me and I you know we can discuss how you can work with me it's such an important stage that you're in if you've got a wound of injustice one you can heal it and two you can move on and if you still after you've healed this wound of injustice or whatever it is that is hurting the perfect justice is you flying away your perfect response response is not responding not supposed to heal their role was to destroy you what they wanted was total destruction they can never be whole they never experience what it is to be an individual they have always been in a relationship they don't know how to function
emotion out of a relationship. And if you're thinking, well, my parents haven't done that. My parents have, you know, never remarried or they will be in a relationship with somebody. It doesn't have to be romantic. The last stage is, so that's your total, let me fly away. I And that is justice itself there and then. Healing these wounds, there's another element, which is the last part. I wanted to talk about this for months and I keep putting it off because part of this healing means that you can break away. You can go no contact, maybe with a parent, if that's the route that you want to go down. If you've had an emotionally abusive or a parent that's high up on that narcissistic scale, you might still be waiting. What happens when they die? Because that's like a double whammy. If you're still waiting for the acceptance of a parent, when they die, you're never going to get it. It's like a finalisation. You're sitting there waiting. Maybe today they're going to accept me. Maybe if I do this, they're going to accept me. Maybe if I behave or change my behaviour, they'll accept me. And if that is a continual pattern throughout your life, if you don't heal that, when they die, there's a finality that you're never, ever going to get that acceptance. So you're not only grieving the death, you're grieving the death of the accept being accepted as well. It's really powerful. It's a really important part of your healing as well. If your experience was you grew up in an environment that had high narcissistic traits or an emotionally abusive environment, dysfunctional environment. If you're waiting in the sidelines and you're waiting for my turn next, my turn next, oh no, it's my siblings, my turn next, my turn next. Find that child that is waiting and heal those wounds because you're only grieving the loss of the parent if you haven't gone no contact and broken away rather than at the end of their life grieving the fact that not only have you lost the parent but you've lost that chance inner child was never has, hasn't been accepted and they've now lost that acceptance i'm going to leave it there i hope that wasn't too, too traumatic for you and i'm sending you loads and loads of love until next time